Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and this is the return of our Tim Talk podcast series. On this episode I speak to Claire Church about how she became a Celtic fan, her favourite memories supporting Celtic and numerous other topics. If you are listening to this podcast and you would like to be on a future episode of the Tim Talk podcast series, please send an email to admin at celticdownunder.com. Hope you enjoy this episode. How are you doing Claire? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I uh, had a good result this morning, so uh, yeah, happy days as a Celtic fan at the moment. Well, after today's result yeah. anyway, not overall, but I'm sure we'll discuss that in this podcast. We will, yes, that's correct. <laughs> All right, so we'll start off with, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you become a Celtic fan? Uh, so I am over here in Glasgow. I... I've been brought up with Celtic and football in general. Uh, a lot of my family are in Northern Ireland, um, so football kind of runs <laughs> runs in the family. Um, I, I've just I've always always followed it. I've enjoyed watching it from a very very young age, um, and I think it's just got <laughs> the passion for it's got bigger and bigger and bigger the older that I get. Um, I also think that. You know, it's good to have <laughs> good to have the passion in the family. I mean, and my mum was a, a massive, massive Celtic fan. My dad is a Celtic fan. My grandparents, everybody, were all huge Celtic fans. So it was in the blood, shall we say, in the blood. <laughs> definitely, you had no choice there, did you? <laughs> no, but I definitely picked the right team anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I could think of a lot worse things to be than a Celtic fan. So, um, yeah. You've done well for yourself there, and thank your family. That's the way you got to look at it. Yeah, exactly. I'm in good well with them, but I mean, I've been going to games for, gee, I'm not giving my age away here, but probably about over 20 years, maybe. Um, so I'm missing them this season, definitely missing them, but that is what it is this season, unfortunately. Yeah, so just off that topic there, you're missing the games. How are you finding the difference in watching the games from your point of view where you'd normally go and watch them and now it's all on TV? How are you finding that? At first, like when everything first sort of changed, I found it a really big adjustment, but I think now I'm more, you kind of get into a routine and it's all kind of the same same old, same old with the football, but I, I don't mind watching it on the television. Um, I just miss the... I still get the goosebumps when I walk into Celtic Park, like when you go to a game, I still get that, you know, butterflies in the stomach thing and I miss all that. I miss the actual feeling of being in the ground and I miss the routine of, of going to a game and making a day of it and everything else. Um, yeah, from our, think, yeah, from our side over here, nothing's really changed other than the pub where the CSC was was shut. So back to what you were saying. I think, to be honest, like, I know you, so many people have said this is the situation, whatever it is. I mean, I'm not making excuses for us, but we definitely, definitely, definitely miss our fans a lot more than some other clubs that I have watched. Um, I'm not excusing our performances and the way the season's been, but I think, the, you know, the Celtic fans on the ground, I think that's definitely been a very big, big part in the way we've been this season. I think the players have looked around and went, who am I playing for? What am I doing? They don't have that kind of people egging them on and cheering for them, and I think they miss that. I get the impression. Yeah, it's a very good point there because I was going to ask you my next question. What's your view of the season so far? But 
Yeah, you've just touched on a little bit there, but I'd like to hear more from you on that. Um, this season has been uh, quite hard watching, and I think it's been quite challenging from a a fan's point of view. I mean, I the Andy Walker comments on on Sky Sports. I mean, you visibly could see him shaking when he was getting so annoyed about Dubai and everything that happened and. I mean, he got slated for what he said. However, I kind of half agree with him, to be honest. He's right. Like, the players went there and the people who can't leave their houses at the moment over here, you know, those people that can't see families, they're scooting off to Dubai for whatever it was, five days is for a training camp. And I, looking at this season as a, as a more overall, it's been a massive, massive implosion. However, I can't understand how people who were apparently so passionate about Celtic players-wise can lose their bottle and lose their drive and lose their... I mean, this is the big, it would have been the biggest season ever. Ten in a row, that would have been amazing. However, the bottle seems to have crashed conveniently. Um, it's not as if... Look back to the 97-98 season where we stopped, we stopped Rangers. We put up a fight to stop them and won. Rangers aren't even to put a fight up because we've been the masters of our own downfall this season. Um, and I think that's probably... I agree with you 100% there, Claire. Like, to me, it's a sad state of affairs when Andy Walker is actually the voice of reason. So that's my first comment. Yeah. But what you're saying there with... Um, yeah, about Rangers, they're not even really having to do much. They're just you know, getting on the freeway, putting their car in third, fourth gear and just setting the cruise control and off they're going. They're not really... Out there actually playing, doing that much like they are playing. Don't get me wrong, but they're not. They're not twenty something points ahead because they're that much better than us. It's a combination of we've lowered our standards probably 20 percent on what we're capable of. They've raised their game five ten percent, and that's why we've got such a large margin. Oh, I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't think I've watched a few Rangers game. I don't think they're playing brilliant, they are playing better, they're playing more as a team and as a unit the way we should be doing but I completely agree with you, I don't think they're you know, I wouldn't say they're brilliant but I think we have successfully, <laughs> made our performances have dipped, like you said, 15-20% I think, I just I can't shake the feeling we're not playing as a unit and that they don't seem to be playing as a unit and when coming out and saying there's players that want to leave so drop them then. If they don't want to play for the team, get them out. I just, I look at Christie. Christie's an example for me. I mean, the boy irritates the life out of me because he could be so good and he was so good and he was great. But as soon as his head was remotely turned by, I can't remember what team in England it was that had an interest in him. You know, you could just see his performances go downhill. Like, it, it was scary to watch. The same with uh, Frimpong, who's now away, obviously. But, I mean... As soon as his head was turned, the performances just went down the spout. And I just, I can't understand why people wouldn't want to play for for the team anymore. They've played for them for the last however many years and then they decided, nah, you're all right, I'm done now. Yeah, it makes yeah. no sense to me. It's one of those ones where you look at it and go, like, you all this talk and all this effort you put in to get to nine and then just be like, yeah, I've had enough now. In the ten season, like, come on, guys like Chris. I mean, it's a I'm glad that you you disagree. Uh, that you actually disagree with the majority because I feel the same way you do. There, where 
I'm not a massive fan of his. I think his. I think we've got a lot of duplicate talent. Like you got, you can put Turnbull in his spot, and you're probably getting more because he can. He also adds free kicks and corners to the same sort of workmanlike attitude we get there. But yeah, not not very impressed. But who would be your top performer this season, if anyone? I think it would have to be. I need, I need to say Ayer, I think, if I'm being honest. Um, I rate him very highly. I think we will lose him in the summer, unfortunately. Um, but I think he's he's been he's been quite consistent. I mean, none of the team have been excellent. <laughs> it's not been an excellent season. I, I do rate Ayer highly. I think I like Ayer at right back. I do like the fact they can amble up and down the touchline. I mean, last night he looked absolutely brilliant at full time absolutely done but he worked hard and that's all I'm asking from any of them I mean he seems to be a good example as well because he has a player who teams are interested in he has a player who has very good reputation he is young but he seems to he's of the mindset I think of okay yes there's teams interested in me yes I am a good player but I'm not going to let let my employers down and I'm not going to let my teammates down he's a team player and that's a rare thing, I think, in the Celtic team right now. That was something I was um, going to bring up when you said about when I asked about the top performers. I was hoping you'd say I because to me, he's been our best player this season. But he's also the guy that yes, as you said, obviously he wants his next move. We understand that football's a short, got a short career span. I understand it. I wouldn't hold it against him if he left at the end of the season. But what I see there is, he's the sort of guy that's like, I want my move now. I'm going to go and work for it and earn it where you've got other guys yeah. like Encham who wanted that move a few years ago to Porto for £14 million. It didn't happen. And since then, he's barely kicked the ball in anger. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I, I would wave off happily and say good luck to you. You know, I would happily, happily say, you know, best of luck. You've been great. You deserve your move. Frimpong, I could hit with a shovel right now because he's been there 16 months and it's like, you know, I, I don't slag the guy for being ambitious, but I, I kind of question his loyalty a wee bit because I, I think it's an arrogance thing. I mean, I would buy a Leverkusen and want to take, take him for £10 million. I hope they snatch that money up rapid because he's never in a million years worth that this season. Never. And I just, it's so frustrating. It's just really, really frustrating that I know that I probably will leave and go to whoever, AC Milan or England or... I mean, I think I could probably play for, you know, a very high-level team. You forget he's so young. Yeah, you forget I has been there for so long, but he is a bit still a young guy. He's only early 20s, I think. I don't think he's much, much older than that. And then you look at Edward, for example. I mean, you'll know this when I say Edward's body language. If Edward's not happy, you can see without even, you know, you can see very easily, whereas Ayer's body language has still been good. When he, you know, he's still got that passion, he's still got that when he was screaming and shouting last night as well. You can tell the guys obviously like you said, he's gonna earn his move, he's not just gonna sit there and wait for it like Edward and to an extent Christy and you know, and Cham who seriously just is waiting for anyone to buy him, I think. Yeah. Agree with you hundred percent. So who would be your who would have surprised you the most out of anyone in our team 
And who's oh, your under, underperformer? Biggest underperformer. Sorrow is just Sorrow is just brilliant. I absolutely love him, and he surprised me so so much. Um, he he does remind me a lot. Of, obviously, he has been shadowing Brown for a fair you know a fair chunk of time because he's he's been there and not played for whatever it is the first six seven months. And now he's come into the team, and you can see a mini brownie, a mini brownie in him. You can see the. You know, I look back to when Scott first signed for us and I can see that in him. You can see the way he's playing, you can see the, the way he fixes, you know, he tidies up everything, he sweeps everything up at the back when the oh-so-reliable Celtic defence have the jitters and sorrows there to kind of try and help. Um, I've been really surprised at how good he's been. I mean, I thought, I knew obviously why he was brought in, he was brought in in a Scott Brown position and whatever, but I've been pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with him and what has been a rotten season as a Celtic fan. Um, and disappointed-wise, how long have you got? <laughs> um, I think Edward has let me down a lot because I feel, you know, like what you were saying, he's not earning his move, he's not earning... He doesn't deserve... I mean, if somebody wants to pay £30 million for him, fire on, but... I can't understand. He doesn't seem to be able to ride any tough, tough waves in this team. If anything goes slightly not perfect, he seems to be a bit like, nah, I can't be bothered. I'm not doing it. Um, biggest disappointment. If you want me to name one player, I'm going to say Ayeti. Because he is just useless. <laughs> I mean, I, he's like a ghost. You bring him on, you can never see him when he's on the park. He doesn't do it. Just... His, he's another one his body language as well last night even when he came on just doesn't look like he'd be bothered didn't look interested didn't look like he wanted to to be there also looked overweight as well so I, that's my biggest disappointment yeah you're talking about sorrow there for me the thing I like is he reminds me of an N'Golo Kante crossed with Claude Makalele in terms of that defensive oh, yes. midfielder who has the legs to cover right back left back central mid, but at the same time, the reason he covers it so well is because he's seeing where the ball is and he's always like, he does his running early, so he's always one or two passes ahead of the play. Yep, I agree. I mean, he's, he's great. So for me, he's one who surprised me and another one that's also surprised me this season when he's come on, a lot a lot of people probably won't agree with me, is Patrick Clamalla. Like, I see him as our Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in terms of striker off the bench who can come on for 20 minutes with pace and with work ethic and just change a game. I'd love to see him yep. getting more playing time. I think he could be one, a big player for us, not right now, but next season and the year after. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I mean, I mean, he's a young guy, like you said. He's, I think he will be an impact striker. I think that's a very, very good point. I think he has the potential to be excellent. Um, I think. I mean, he's a physical boy. Like he's not a wee scrawny, wee scrawny striker. He's a big, he's a big boy. Um, so I mean, he can hold his own, no yeah. problem. And I think you can see that he's putting the work in. Yeah. I think in the background, I think you can see that he's working hard and training and trying, and you know, he's just he's fit, he's happy to fight for his place and. I like that about him. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think maybe next season or whenever that could be his time to sort of go, right, I can do this now. 
I mean, flinging them in against Rangers whenever it was in October or whatever it was. I mean, who are, are you kidding? Like, seriously? Yeah. The boy looked like a cat caught in the headlights. He was like, what do you want me to do here? I've got like, I've got three yeah. three centre-backs about half a foot taller than me in front of me, two blocking it, every run I'm making. Where am I supposed to go and what am I supposed to do? He looked like a deer in headlights. So, yeah, these things happen. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what instructions he was given for that game, but that poor guy, I felt so sorry for him. It was like, the poor guy was just like, what, what, what? seriously? Lost cause much? What do you want me to do here? But, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I mean, what's your take on Ayeti? Do you have the same frustrations as me, or is that just a, is that me being quite harsh, do you think? Okay. The one harsh thing you said is that he's overweight, because I wish I was that overweight. Like, seriously? <laughs> But so I'll, I'll go there on that. But at the same time, I'm saying we can have that debate if you want. <laughs> I'm only staring you. No, but the um the thing I'm looking at with him is, I think there's a player there. I think what's happened is he's moved to West Ham, ru- like ruined his confidence, and then he's come up here. He's played five games, scored five goals, and then suddenly he was just benched and didn't take the field much and get a run of games. It was like 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 15 minutes there, not play for three weeks. Then we get a 10 minutes here. That has just completely ruined his the confidence that he was building up early in the season. So now he's fallen back into the West Ham, yet he's not the guy we had at the start of the season. I think if Edward was to move on and was still to play two up front and it was a Yeti along with Griffs, I think that would work. Mm. And you would slowly see him come back into it because he'd get a run of games. But, again, the message that is coming to the players from the coaching staff, who knows how that would how that would work anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be harsh about the guy. I mean, he has been absolutely god-awful. However, I would like to see him be better. I don't want, I don't want to say that he's I'm, I'm not going to say he's a waste of five million because he hasn't had much luck he's played five games had a hamstring injury never really fell back into the team after that injury I mean I looked I mean alarm bells were ringing last night for me a little bit because I looked at Jeff and Edward come off and they both looked injured when they both came off last night yeah. Um. so I think you might see you might see a Yeti on Saturday I mean we don't know maybe or Klamala that could be an interesting team selection. I mean, Edward was tweaking his hamstring a wee bit. I think that yeah. looked as if that was what was bothering him. Um, Griff looked just... Griff worked hard. His goal was good. He just looked like he had a wee niggle there, so yeah. we need to wait and see. But, I mean, Mayetti's only, what, 23? Uh, yeah. So, I think I, need, I probably need to remember his age as well. I just think that he needs to sort out his attitude a wee bit. If he sorts out his attitude, I think he could he could be very, very good. He just needs to He's a young guy whose confidence has been shattered, like you said. He's probably looking at West Ham now and seeing how well they're doing and going, oh, you know, yeah. uh, maybe that's... He's probably looking at his old team and thinking, oh, sugar, what have I done? However, he needs to remember who he's playing for now. It's a big, big team, big, big stature. Could be in Europe. He could have European football, potentially. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I take your points with Ayeti. I just... He frustrates life out of me, honestly. I just... It just annoys annoys me, but I think if we, I guess if I look more into it, body language, etc., etc. Yeah, there's but, a whole bunch of yeah. whole bunch of reasons there. That, but that is what it is. A lot of players also who 
in my opinion, that are annoying me this season because they're not playing at the standards they are. So I think what we'll do is we'll just move on to our next topic, if that's okay with you. Okay, then, yeah. So what is your take on the club structure at present? Do you think we need to change our manager? And do you think that we need a director of football at Celtic? Further to that, question without notice, do you think we need changes to the board? Okay. Um, now, somebody on Save Cool Bingo was talking about this, and I 100% agree with them, but um, Lowell and Lennon are the imposters. That was, I'll steal that quote from one of your one of your boys from the Seth Bingo, but he's right, they are. Um, I believe that Lowell needs to just pack his bags and go. I think that he isn't obviously keen on spending any money. We're very quick to take £10 million pounds for Frimpong, however, not very quick to spend money. Um... I don't know what the influence is on the manager and the club. I don't know. Nicky Hammond's scouting has been very, very questionable. I think that we need... I personally think Eddie Howe would be a good manager. I think that the culture of football snobbery is just really annoying sometimes because I look at how I see young coach potential brings to young players, has coached in the Premiership in England, has got hasn't had European experience. I mean, however, is willing to learn and has that kind of passion to learn and better better players that are working for him. Um, I think that Kennedy has to leave. I think Gavin Strachan and his laptop both need to leave. Um, I, <laughs> if Dermot Dedman wants to bring his son onto the board, by all means, fire on. I mean, he's a majority shareholder. He does. He can pass motions on the board. He can't, you know, he, he can't turn around and uh, that's all it is. He's, he's a majority shareholder. I mean, people think he spends all the money and does all the... He has a lot more input than probably what he actually does. Um, but, yeah, I think an overhaul is needed, but I think the main ones, Lowell, Lennon, Kennedy, Gavin Stratton and Gavin Stratton's laptop can just leave. Um I feel sorry for Lennon in a way, though, because obviously Celtic man soon the great player, you know, has been a good manager, but I still think he probably is a good coach. I think that the players have just disappointed him to the point where he's like, what can I even say to these guys to, you know, he's probably going through every psychological mind trick he can think of to try and get these guys to play better. Um, and... It's a shame, but I know why he's, he's, he's digging his heels in. He wants his payout. And, you know, fair play to the guy. I would probably do the same. Not going to lie, but... Yeah, baby. <clears throat> Hang in, get, get, get a payday. And, um, yeah, move on to the... That's what I think needs to happen as well. I agree with you. Law needs to go. All of them need to go. I think the only one who's getting unfairly targeted here is uh, Gavin Strachan's laptop because, you know, what's, what's it done wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, that joke's, that joke's not going to go old for a long time. That's yeah. going to run for a well, yeah, I think. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know your take on it, but Kennedy and his sympathy, Kennedy and his sympathy contract is just yeah. something that's just in the back of my mind as well. Like, he's obviously been there when Rogers was there um, and a different coaching capacity. Yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of top-quality managers, though, they're, 
that you talk that you hear talking have all mentioned like that Kennedy is actually very knowledgeable and is a good man, a good coach, right? And that there's a lot of people saying that, but at the same time, like I'd happily let him go out, go go coach somewhere else for a few like a few years, get some experience, and then if you're doing well and you prove that you're up to it, fine, come back. I'm happy with that. But for him to go straight into it, if Lennon was to move on, it's going to be like our version of Graham Murdy. I don't want that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That. That's the banter years. Like you're talking, we're talking about banter years and us and the mob across town. You've got Kennedy is our version of Murty if he get, comes in and takes over. And then you've got Gavin Strachan's laptop is the version of Pedro's caravan. Yeah, yeah. Very good analogy. I like that one. I like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it needs some changes. To me personally, I've said it numerous times, get a director of football in. Jackie McNamara yep. is the man for me. He's good at youth level. He's been a manager, successful manager. He's the guy I think we need to bring in to oversee it, and then you, if, then you can appoint a manager after that. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea. I wouldn't have even thought of Jackie McNamara now that they've mentioned it. Um, a director of football does need to come in, though. I agree with that. I think there needs to be somebody that can be overseeing things. Run the football Jackie, side. I so you've got, a, you've got a chief executive running the business side, and then you've got a director of football overseeing the football side. And then there's no crossover like Lowell constantly does at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Lennon's knocking on Lowell. I mean, Lennon's meant to speak to Lowell today, apparently, about these transfers that are coming in or not coming in or whatever. Um, I mean, <laughs> Stephen I don't know. I mean, would you, would you take I mean, would you take this defender from Preston or whatever it is? I, I, I don't know. I would take Declan Gallagher over any English defender right now. I mean, I I like Declan Gallagher. I think he's got the potential to be very, very good. Um, I also like Stephen O'Donnell, who would be a very good backup right back if we needed him. But, That's what I just called. You know. <laughs> Uh, uh, Stephen O'Donnell as a backup right back would be great in the same way Taylor works for us as a backup left back plus who can step in and start and do a job okay I'd be happy with that Declan Gallagher I don't think we'll get him for the simple fact that we've already taken Turnbull from Motherwell I don't think Motherwell's going to let themselves become like Dundee United did when we bought up Armstrong and Mackay Stevens and Shifty and one other guy from them, all in the space of six months, and then they got relegated the next season. I don't think Motherwell will allow themselves to be absolutely pillaged like that by us at the moment. Um, Davis, I've watched a few Preston North End games on the TV over here the last couple of weeks because they've been on being sports a few times. Mm-hmm. I rate him. I'd say get him in. Is an upgrade on if we've got at the moment if we're playing Duffy alongside Biton, it's an upgrade hmm. on, on over either of those two straight away. True, true. I mean, Duffy was was okay last night. I'm going to say okay. I'm scared to say anything more positive than that. I'll say okay. But um, yeah. I. Uh, What's okay? At I Duffy's don't. Level? I think the first thing that could be good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Hamilton and we're playing. No disrespect to Hamilton, but yeah. you know, I, I still can't say I can't say good when I talk about Duffy. I can't do it. I'm not. I'm not at that stage yet. But no, I mean, the guy from Preston would be a bit a breath of fresh air. I just 
I don't know. I like the. I, I feel kind of who's making the decision to take these bring these guys in. Is this Lennon? Is this Lowell? Is this this Nicky Hammond? Who who who's who's pinpointing these players? Um, this is where I I get frustrated. I want to know whose decision this actually is. Um, Especially is Lennon gonna spending ten million pound on Barkas and a Yeti in the off season? Oh. I want to know who's making these calls because if those two are Hammond signings, then don't, as Chris Common said in the paper earlier in the week, don't give him another cent to spend. Yep, but agreed, if, agreed. If they, yeah. if they weren't him, if they were Lennon signings or Law signings, different story. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I honestly think Lennon would leave at the end of the season. I still think he'll go, so I'm not sure how much of these signings are Lennon's, to be honest. Yeah. Unless Lennon is maybe is trying to probably think bigger picture and say if I get these guys in, I mean unless Lennon is actually, I don't know how to word it, but unless Lennon knows he's leaving at the end of the season, he's probably going okay. I'm going to help the next manager here and try and bring in a couple of decent guys that might help him. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's what frustrates me. I just don't know who's making these decisions. I think Ronnie did that though is, when he brought in Svetchenko and then. Rogers got rid of him, so it's like. I uh, true. That was a mistake. I liked. It. I think I thought he was great. Yeah. I really, really liked watching. I took him back in a heartbeat now. Honestly, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I just I, it, like what you said. I don't like the fact that we can't we can't have this conversation and say this is a Lennon signing for sure. We have we're questioning who's actually making these decisions, and that doesn't strike me as smooth football club running at the moment. Um, I think there's a lot of people button heads. Probably behind the scenes, you know, Lennon saying, "Can I have?" Was it Lennon? who was it? Lennon wanted now. Lennon wanted a different striker to Ayeti. He wanted a different. He wanted yeah, Fraser. We got Barkas. Yeah, we wanted Foster, and we got Barkas. I mean, hello. I, <laughs> I mean, he came out last night and said, oh, "I'm going to stick with Bain because Barkas hasn't settled in and Barkas hasn't up to the speed of the game." The guy's been there what six seven months? months, six seven months. No, you're a professional footballer. It's not rocket science. You know, I. I get some players don't settle in. I understand that. However, you're a goalie. You don't need to run about like a headless chicken. It's just do your job, but you can't even. That seems difficult for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not a Barkas fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm on the on the fence with him. To be honest with you, I think the only tiny little thing I will give him is he hasn't had a settled defence in front of him all season. But at this point yeah. in time, six, seven months into the season, a, a time for excuses is over. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, they'll probably blame anybody they can at the end of the season for this. But, uh, yeah, no more excuses. We need... And I think it was Liam that said on last week's podcast about, um, you know, manager for a rebuild, bringing in a new coach for, for the rebuild rather than just limping to the end of the season yeah. and then doing it. The only thing in the favour with that is we do have the, whatever it is, four weeks the Euros is on for, yeah. or five, whatever. You know, you've got the time the Euros are on to maybe do some kind of rebuilding then. I mean, I just, I've got a feeling that if somebody, whoever it is, whoever it is that comes in is going to bring their own backroom staff with them, I hope, um, and bring their own coaches with them. Needs but I just, the deadwood has to, has to be shown the door pronto because they're bringing everybody else down with them. So, yeah. what areas of the team do you think we need to strengthen? Mm, Defence is a big one. I think that 
Um, I mean, obviously, James is coming back. Well, maybe in about a month or so, I think. Yeah. I don't know of the time frame specifically, but yeah, I heard it was he would be like very early March. He'd be back. I mean, he'll be like a new, a brand new boy when he comes back. Um, he'll be hopefully. Well, I say hopefully. Hopefully, like a brand new boy when he comes back. When was the last time you shaved that quarantine bush in your pants? Support for Celtic Down Under is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Good news is, Manscaped has just launched in Australia. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products here in Australia. Manscaped have redesigned their electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The trimmer is also waterproof which allows you to groom in the shower. It also has an LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've upgraded the engine to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me to speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CDU20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CDU20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CDU20. Crikey mate, it's time to shave those balls. So have you been to many European games? And if you have, what fun stories do you have for us? Uh, I took my one of my very close friends who isn't the biggest Celtic fan in the world. She's not that big into football, but I managed to get an extra ticket for the three each game with Man City a few years ago. Nice. And I thought I would take her to uh, let her experience it. <laughs> to say she was shocked was an understatement. We were in, we were sitting above the tier above the Green Brigade. Yeah. Um, you know, up in the gods, the noise, she was just, I never forget her face. She and I mean, the celebrations, everybody's jumping on top of each other. And oh, that's just, that's a memorable one for me, that one. Um, and I just seen her, her absolutely gobsmacked at the, the level of noise, the level of passion from all these, all these football fans. And that was a good one. Another one that sticks out for me, uh, European wise, would be Man United Celtic Park, Nakamura free kick. Uh, I love it. Yeah, just, just awesome. Um, but I mean, I can't think of any other ones. I mean, obviously the Seville year, Liverpool away, John Hartson goal was just awesome. Um, but <laughs> Seville's got to be the the big one in my head. I was due to sit my higher maths exam the same day. That's probably going to give me a jury, But anyway, and said exam did not happen shall we say <laughs> fair enough now going back to the man city passed it the next year though i passed it the next year it's fine <laughs> the man city question go for it back to that game did your friend become a, a crazy celtic fan off the back of that game she became a celtic fan yeah she did um she definitely is a lot more interested in it than she was before well done. she just Way to call I, someone she just couldn't get her head around the, the i don't think she can get the, her head around the scale of it I don't think she, yeah. you know, she's heard me harp on about football as long as I've known her. And I think she's now realises why I do it and why I enjoy it so much. 
Yeah. Um, she just, you know, it was like she knew the general rules of it, but I think the funny thing was, you know, I'm going, you need to watch this, this is this guy's great, this guy's pointing at players and whatever, and she's like, never going to remember this, but I remember we watched it back after it together, and she was like, oh, I remember that, I remember that, so... Yeah, I think I've I think I successfully converted her after that game. Um, well, I I like the give yourself a the Boavista. I am, I am the Boavista game in the Seville season as well. That was another one. There were so many when that season. I can't probably pinpoint uh, pinpoint just one. I, um, you get nostalgia for that team after watching this season. I think to be honest. Um, so what I'll do then it, is I'll jump onto one of my further questions then. What are some of the most memorable games that you've seen Celtic play and what's so memorable about them to you? Um, 6-2 Rangers at Celtic Park and the most memorable thing about that game was, well, the result, obviously. But Larson, Chip and Klaus was just <laughs> made my day. Um, another one for me would be Celtic St. Johnson in nineteen ninety. 798 season because we stopped Rangers from doing the 10 and Larson and Brackback scored the goals and I remember being sitting right behind the goal that Larson scored against scored in right behind it um, and it was just for someone I was very young at the time and for someone who who uh, of a kid of that age it was just the excitement was ridiculous absolutely ridiculous Um that's definitely up there with one of my most memorable ones. Um, I'm trying to think. This season, there's not been a lot that I can probably uh, yeah. pinpoint from this season, but a lot of it comes from the Martin O'Neill era for me. Um, like I said, the 6-2 game was, was probably my main one, if I'm being honest. It's got to be, got to be right up there. Um, that's my big one. I think that game would just if we could play any half half as good as that that team played that day, we would have made life a whole lot easier. Um, I believe. <laughs> but I have a lot of games that I can kind of go. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I was I was not so memorable, but I was I was there when we, the famous Cali Thistle game and oh. God, that's not a good memory, but I mean, the Barcelona win in 2004 is there for me as well. Yep. Uh, the 1 0 game, that one's up there. Um, I can't remember if it was 2017 or 2018, but we played Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup and we got the treble. So, 2017, it would be actually, mm-hmm. I think we beat them 2 1. That's a good one for me. Um, and obviously, the quadruple treble before Christmas this season. Uh, Ayers. <laughs> Ayers penalty. There we go. Back to Chris Ayer, his penalty, and uh, you know the fact that he just—you could tell he was cramping, you could tell he was done for the day, but he just went up and leathered that ball straight in the net. Do you know what I mean? That was just brilliant. Hit it as hard as you can. Either put it in the oh, head or think, put it in row Z. I think that's what he said. I think that's what he said. Though I think he said he was just—he was just wanted to batter it. I think he said that in his interview. Um, and sort of back to what you were saying earlier. I mean, he's earning a move. He's doing the right things to earn his move, but. You'll go down in history for that. You can't. You can't fault. You can't fault. I. I really don't think you can. Yeah. Um. I. I, I, I struggle to. I mean, he's not. He's not been great sometimes at centre and a half. But who has in defence? I mean, honestly, you could probably put. I don't know. You could put 
mean, look at Callum McGregor. He got fired into left back at some point whenever that was, and that just, you know, he's not meant to be great there. He's not a left back. Um, Lose game last year. Oh, honestly, I, I, some of those decisions with that are just typical, Lenny. I just you kind of do the head tilt. It's like what, why, how? I mean, you've got these young boys. I don't see a lot of young players coming through, and it's a bit, it's a wee bit frustrating. But I think the problem that Celtic have at the minute is that they're comparing left backs to Tierney. Yeah. Obviously, because so. Tierney was so good, then everybody will sort of fall short of expectations for a while because. Tierney was exceptional. Tierney was, you know, was something was something special. Um, was I do think there'll be some there'll be somebody out there with the potential to be. I mean, there's talk on today's press over here of the boy Doig from Hibs, the seventeen-year-old. Um, I wouldn't. Even I mean, he has the potential with, to be excellent. I wouldn't even bother with him because I'd keep that. We just put a uh, Norwegian left back out on loan to Ross County. Leo, I can't say his last name. Helgi or something yeah. like that. And he just played a blinder, like, like when he was on yeah. the pitch. Like, if you're going to look at 17-year-olds, you're a doig or you've got someone already at the club, like, give the kid a chance. I wonder if that's going to take a new manager to give the kid a chance, Lennon goes with. Yeah, I know. I think when the boy said last week, he goes with pals. He goes with who, he, like, you know, he's, he's going with the, the tried and tested, I think. I mean, yeah. that's unfortunately not great in my book. Going with the tried and tested sometimes can backfire I mean oh my god it's got brown last week honestly I mean I'll just come on to a snowy pitch and elbow again get sent back off I can't be bothered I'm just going to go for my go for my shower and go up the road exactly so what we'll do is we'll um we'll start to uh wind this one up a little bit clear so I've got three last questions for you to go through so we'll start off with who would be the one player other than Messi and Ronaldo I'll always throw that in there, that you have seen play and wish that they have pulled on the hoops for Celtic. Alessandro Nesta. Nice. Has to be Alessandro Nesta. Um, I, from a very, very young age, I thought he was great. Oh, Maldini, Nesta, Italian yeah. national team era, that era. Um, and he played at Celtic Park when we played AC Milan and he was just great. And I wish that we had a defender like that. Funny thing Just is, my older, my older brother he went on a school trip back in I don't know the nineties or something to Italy, and he was a bit of a bit of a Milan fan, but nothing major. He come back and crazy Milan fan. So yeah, grew up watching a bit of them. So as soon as you said that, I'm like, you're kidding me. Someone actually said that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've rated Nesta so highly when he was a player. I thought he was great. Um, I would rewind time and take him in a heartbeat, but hey-ho. <laughs> All right, next question for you. Who would be your top five players that you've seen play for Celtic in your lifetime? Top five for me uh, would Doesn't be... Doesn't have to be in your favourite order, like five, four, three, two, one. It can just be just any five. Yeah. No, that's, I've got Larson, obviously. Yeah. Um, Larson and Sutton are there for me because... Yep. Sutton can play anywhere and he was great. Um, and you mentioned your love affair for the Martin O'Neill era, so that makes sense. Yes, I do have a, a love affair for that era. I very much enjoyed watching um, <laughs> probably an unpopular opinion, but Magnus Edmund, I thought he was good. I liked him a lot. I think I thought he was quite a decent-ish goalkeeper. Um, 
Wolf Stig's up there for me. I'm sorry, he has to. I just the character and I rate him highly because he had a character, he had a personality. He wasn't a wet dishcloth that's just playing for his paycheck. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm not saying because of PC Lustig and all that. I'm just saying for the amount of passion the guy had and the fact that you know he could have a joke as much as the next guy. Um. I've got one more. another one for one more from me. Uh, you've mentioned him earlier, uh, Jackie McNamara for me. I uh, very much a dark horse. Obviously, when he played, he wasn't maybe. I didn't pick my five based on their skill for all of them. I picked them on memorable players for me. I mean, yeah, uh, Jackie McNamara was sort of solid right right sided player that could just he done his job. He done it well. Yeah. Hundred um, I think he said some. He said something actually in the media not that long ago about there's not that culture of playing for the jersey that's not there anymore. Yep. I think that was like one of the things that frustrated him the most is that the current situation is that there isn't that culture of playing for the jersey. Um, there's just that playing for your paycheck. Yep. Um, which I, I, to be honest, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that's probably quite accurate. It's a fair assessment. Game's changed a bit, so what we'll do is we'll leave it with my last question, my favourite question to ask. Who will be <laughs> your all-time favourite Celtic player and why? Hmm. Henrik Larson, I'm sorry. I know it's cliched, but many, many reasons. Just the fact that we signed him for 675 grand and he had an absolutely shocking debut. I remember it well, unfortunately. Yep. Well, look at what happened to him. Look how good he, I mean, not great at the start. Became amazing. Broke his leg. Everybody cried. <laughs> he came back and just got better and better and better and became the King of a legend. And I think with Larson as well, he had that. He didn't maybe we didn't have the biggest character. However, you could tell he wanted to be be there and play for Celtic. You can tell that was his. You know, he wanted to be with us. He wanted to stay at the club. He wanted to, you know, play for the jersey, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and that, that's why. And, you know, you'll never, ever, ever, ever replace, like, have anyone that will come close to him. I mean, I don't think, you know, I'll struggle to probably see somebody come close to him in my lifetime for Celtic. I don't know. Um, I hope, hope I'm proved wrong, but I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Well, we'll do there, Claire's. We'll leave it there. Thanks for um, coming on and you know talking some Celtic with us. It's good to uh, get to know a bit about yourself and your love for Celtic. So um, yeah, hail hail, and hope the season picks up and we pick up a few more wins and see what happens. Fingers crossed. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Celtic Down Under podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want access to all of our previous episodes, please look up Celtic Down Under in your podcast app and subscribe. Further to this, you can also follow Celtic Down Under on Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. And on Facebook, we have a group and a page Celtic Down Under. How how. 